with Harry Broadhurst and Tony Asidio. joined shortly by Tony Acero. You are listening to the Raw Reaction for July 28, 2014, as we sit a mere three weeks away from SummerSlam, and we have a loaded show for you. All right, before we get started on the Raw Reaction, I want to take a special moment here and say thank you to Bruce Hart of Heartbeat Radio, uh, his business manager, Bob Johnson, as well. They Patrick Ketza, Bruce's usual co-host, was unable to make it in for last evening's broadcast, and I had the honor of sitting in on Heartbeat Radio and was able to was able to fill in and take care of the duties that Patrick would normally take care of. But now it is time for the reaction here, as it is Monday night, July 28th, and he's finally on the line. Tony, can you hear me? Yep. <laughs> How was your weekend, brother? Oh, it was beautiful. I went to a little wrestling show out here in California. Yeah, something about a gorilla, I think. Yeah, and there was blood. Ooh, blood. We'll we'll save that little piece for later on in the show. All right, Tony, um, what do you say we get into it here? Let's talk about Raw. Let's do it. All right, so the opening segment today... Well, technically the opening segment we're going to talk about a little bit later. The 9 o'clock segment is what we're going to talk about here, and that was Jericho interrupting Triple H and Stephanie's comments, and we specifically going along the lines of the Stephanie and Brie Bella situation that we saw take the precedence last week during the Flow Rider concert. Now, right. we'll get to Jer- what happened with Jericho a little bit later on in the show, but we want to focus specifically here on Stephanie and Brie, especially since they had the main event segment of the evening as well as they were the last thing that everybody saw when before Monday Night Raw went off the air here. And we questioned last week as if if we thought that the focus was too much on Stephanie and Brie going towards SummerSlam. And we both agreed then that it wasn't, that it was the right amount of bills, that they were slowly and steadily starting to burn towards SummerSlam here to help bring Brie Bella back into the fold and to put Stephanie back into the ring for the first time, as she said tonight, in over a decade. I, I want to say No Mercy 2003 if memory serves me correctly, against her father. Right. Well, I'm not so 100% I asked you, so you're I the asked, almanac. 
I'll go to the almanac while you're touching on the topic. But I will specifically ask you here, do you think that changed tonight? Do you think they put too much focus on Stephanie and Brie Bella tonight? Um, yeah, I definitely do think that they put too much focus on, on the uh, feud that is, at best, a, um, a mid-card feud. Um, <clears throat> I, uh, it has little to do with anything else. It's self-contained. There's nothing wrong with it. I'm okay with the storyline. I'm okay with uh, last week. This week, there, again, there wasn't anything wrong, but you could tell just how much it took over the show. It had, like, I want to say five different segments, whether it was Steph and Triple H talking in the back, in the ring, um, Steph going to the locker room, you know, the the final closing of the of Raw in its entirety. It was, it was uh, Nikki as well. Yeah, there was just a lot. It was focused on a lot, way too much, which could have been condensed and gotten rid of more than half of those segments, and it still would have been as effective, and it still would have been um, <clears throat> just as good a build as it was last week. It also got the main event slot over, you know, Jericho and uh, Seth Rollins. I'm questioning how they, if that match would have ended the show, if it would have been fine, if you would have seen Bray Wyatt hit Sister Abigail just as close the credits, you know, well, just as we went to a fade to black, if that would have been a good enough ending. I don't really know. Uh, I'm not 100% sure if that would be better or not. It's just the fact that last week was all right. This week seemed like a bit of an overkill in terms of where they're putting this particular moment in the show and how important they're making it. Yeah, and it's something that I was touching on on the Raw thread on yes as well was the fact that I don't think this match in and of itself stands alone on the fact that OMG, Steph and Breeze totally hates each other. I think you're right. going to have to put some kind of stipulation on this match in order to give it something that the uh, the other fans are going to want to see other than the fans of the Bella Twins or other than the fans of the Diva fans in general here. The authority has made it crystal clear that they will not be giving Daniel Bryan a rematch for his heavyweight title when he returns here. What better way to help secure even more fan interest in this match than to put Daniel Bryan's rematch for his WWE World Heavyweight Championship when he returns to the ring on the line on step on Bree's side of this match. Yeah. Um, There's just a bit... Yeah, like, if, if, if they put something on the line, like a Bryan title match, it would ob- automatically implicate much more than it does right now. At the end of the day, right now, it's just another storyline that doesn't really... Um, I like to think that Steph had the crowd in the palm of her hands last week. This week, not so much until the very end, and I think it was mostly the viewers that she had intrigued, more so than the crowd there. Um, but at the end of the day, it still doesn't bring a lot of weight to the table. Uh, SummerSlam is, by and large, supposed to be a stacked card. They've done a lot of work to make it almost as important as WrestleMania. Um, it's kind of like the you know the summer bang. <clears throat> um, and so this match is supposed to be something bigger than the rest. And seeing Stephanie McMahon in a ring 10 years later is a big deal, but to who? You know, is it to us, the IWC, or is it to the fan as a whole? Because 10 years ago, these kids that are watching most likely weren't alive or cognizant enough to care. So who are they pointing this to? Who is the audience that they're trying to garner by putting this match up? I have to argue that it's us, that it's us, you know, the ones that actually care the fact that she hasn't been in the ring in 10 years or care that there's a draw to or a connection to Brian. If we are the, the people that they're trying to promote this for, I have to also admit that they're just not doing it well. 
Yeah, and that's the reason I say that I think we're going to need to see something more here, and especially in regards to actually putting a definitive reason for us to care about the match into the match at SummerSlam there. I have no doubt in my mind that it'll be entertaining. I have no doubt in my mind that it'll be a spectacle because that's kind of what the McMahon family does, and that's something that we've pointed out here on the reaction before. I teased on the Raw thread that I was going to have a very bold prediction to drop here on the reaction, and I'm going to drop it right now. Do you remember a couple of weeks ago when I asked you, would you have any interest in the Bella versus Bella feud? Right. I think it happens. And I think Nikki turns on Bree at SummerSlam. Yeah, well, I mean, a few people have been saying it. I have no interest in it. Um, I mean, just in general, I have no interest in either one of them. They're, uh, you know, they don't hurt or help anything. So they're just kind of there for me. Uh, if you're trying to listen right now, I apologize. We're having a little bit of issues with the linking and stuff of the show for the sites that we would normally post on. I'm going to try to correct this here in the next few moments. But um, while I'm in the process of working out the technical side of things here, why don't I go ahead and kick it over to Tony here for his first can on the evening. Well, of the show. God knows it's probably not his first can of the evening overall. Nope. Definitely not my first. Probably not my last. Um, yeah, I feel bad for cutting off that main event a little bit short. We'll get back to it, I'm sure. But in regards to my first do, um, you know it would go nowhere else but AJ. Uh, we saw a little bit more interaction with her and Paige tonight, and I, a lot of the credit tonight goes to Paige because of the character development that she's continuing to bestow upon us. Uh, I found it quite intriguing that she knew the uh, the pressure points of AJ's character, if you will. So if we're talking in kayfabe terms, like this is just, it was Paige doing the exact thing that she needed to do to piss AJ off. The little things from calling her crazy, skipping around the opposite side of the ring, um, just doing the little intricacies that she needed to do in order to upset AJ, to get AJ to that point in which she just snapped. Um, for a few reasons, this is great. First of all, Crazy AJ is everyone's favorite AJ, um, you know, including my own. She has kind of lost her spark a little bit, admittedly, since even before she left, there was a little bit of a, a stagnancy that she hit. So this is going to bring back the, the reason why people enjoyed her in the first place. Uh, secondly, it gives Paige something to do, and it's something interesting. It's something that I, I'm enjoying so far. The crowd is enjoying. Everyone, you know, as far as the readers of the Raw Report as well as the people on the Yes page are finding this very intriguing. So um, I feel that they're going the right direction in this aspect, and I'm wondering who exactly is taking control of this storytelling uh, because the other divas aren't exactly um, doing all that great. Aw, put in. <laughs> Honestly, I think you have to give most of the credit in terms of keeping this storyline on track to Paige. And the reason I say that is it's it's a, it's a match that a lot of the IWC fans have been wanting to see for a while. I mean, we, we got it briefly the night after WrestleMania. We got it again briefly on Paige's return right after Battleground. On AJ, excuse me, AJ's return right after Battleground. And then we saw it at or What the hell am I saying? AJ's return after Money in the Bank. Jesus, I'm off of it tonight. All right, anyway... AJ's return right after Money in the Bank. Then the, we had the match again at Battleground. But the match at Battleground, I think we can by and large agree, was disappointing. 
And I think a lot of that has to do with the fact that there was no established heel and face characters there when they officially went out of the battleground, not to mention they were a little clunky in the ring. And I think a lot of that might have to do with the fact that it was AJ's first full-length match since probably WrestleMania because the... Uh, what happened on Raw was what happened on Raw the night after WrestleMania when she dropped the title to Paige wasn't nothing but a few minutes long anyway. So I attribute a lot of that to just unfamiliarity with each other, minimal working together. And now that they have this stage here for SummerSlam, I think that we can expect a lot better things out of both of them. And now that we have defined characters for both of them, I think that they can tell the storyline in the course of their matchup in addition to actually being able to make the ring work come together more smoothly than it did the uh, at Battleground. Your thoughts on uh, your expectations for the match at SummerSlam? Oh, it's going to be good. I, I, I have uh, I have high expectations for it. I really hope that the you know I mean the face and heel dynamic has changed uh, first of all, and the uh, the match that they had a battleground was lacking I think, but I'm I'm not going to make excuses. I I just hope for the you know for better uh, the next time around. Uh, in terms of the the SummerSlam, you know, hosting the Page and AJ feud that's continuing, it's just. It's really fun to see, and that's that's why I wanted to highlight it. Uh, aside from the obvious that it's AJ, that and I, I have to agree with you that Paige is really holding her own, and then some. She came out and cut a promo, which was I believe one of the very first ones that she cut that was uh, this long, and um, you know actually meaning something. <coughs> Only for AJ to come out and. Like we talked about, I want to say a few weeks ago, AJ just completely calling her bluff and being the smart face instead of the dumb one. Um, and then Paige using what she knows of AJ, and like I said, bringing back that that little spark that made AJ such a big deal last year and the year before. Uh, just to reiterate, like she, it seemed like she lost it. A lot of people were kind of turning on the idea that AJ was anything but just a slightly better than average wrestler for as a female. <laughs> but it was that it was her being basically nuts that brought a lot of people to the uh, to into her fandom, and I think that that returned tonight, and of course I enjoyed every minute of it. Yeah, and it's definitely inter- more interesting to see a- this kind of AJ where she has that more of the personality that her character had been lacking recently, and it's, when you look at the uh, the face, just the facial features alone, the look on her face when uh, when she was originally called crazy by Paige, and you could just see her go from <laughs> that happy-go-lucky AJ to the what did you just call me, bitch? Yeah, kind of look. it was great. And I think that's a lot of things that get really underrated in in the modern times now is the the fact that facial features and the way the expressions that people are making inside of the ring while they're both having a match and while they're uh, doing their promo work inside of the ring there can help sell these matches to everybody just like the one with a just like the uh, ones with AJ and Paige just did tonight. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> All right, you said you wanted to get back to uh, Stephanie and Bree, so let's go ahead and do that here before we get to quick hits. Okay. Yeah. Um, I just I felt like you know since they focus on it so much, why shouldn't we? <laughs> um, no, but honestly. Uh, yeah, they gave the, Kevin Hart a ton of focus too. You don't see us clamoring for more attention for him. Well, I I tried to have a full soundboard of Kevin Hart snippets, but you know, Greg just isn't on it. Um, no, I wanted to. You know, I'm not. This isn't my opinion, but it is more of a question, and it's one that we get a lot in terms of Triple H and anybody named McMahon. Do you think that last week, because they saw the possible uh, positive response from the crowd, that they assumed that Steph and Bree was what the crowd wanted to see and kind of overdid it? And in other words, another way to ask this question is, 
is the McMahon slash Triple H ego into play here in regards to the booking of the entire show and adding so much staff and breed? Anybody got time for that? That's as close to a Kevin Hart soundboard as we have right now. Because <laughs> that's actually his quote as taken by Daring Young. Anyways, um, I think a lot of it has to do with that McMahon ego. And ratings and yeah. stuff. I think the ratings came in for last week's episode where they had the angle that focused on Stephanie and Brie, and I think it was something along the lines of the highest ratings they've had in like two months. And I think maybe that gave the impression that the fans do want to see more of the McMahons on the screen, Stephanie, Triple H, and specifically Stephanie and Brie's situation here, since Triple H's situation with Roman Reigns appears to be on postponement due to the fact that they're moving Reigns to Randy Orton. And we'll get to the tedious beatdown a little bit later on in the show. But I think one of the things that that sold them on the way the, the script for tonight's Raw went, excuse me, one of the things that sold them for the way tonight's Raw script went is the fact that there was the reaction from the live crowd last week in Miami for the Stephanie and Bree situation there. But the same situation wasn't the, the – Jesus, I'm having a night over here. The same reaction wasn't there tonight from the crowd. That was from the Miami crowd the week before. Right. Well, that's seemingly seemingly one of my issues with the WWE, where they, they find something that we tend to enjoy, and they just overkill it. And I'm talking about everything from something as small as, you know, Fandango's music to, um, you know, something a bit larger like Daniel Bryan. Like, they latch on to what we latch on to, and then they kind of overdo it. And it's just, it's really, I don't know, it's kind of saddening to see that they can't just, when they do, the few times that they do listen to the cheers of the crowd, that they can't just accept it and continue to kind of slow burn it rather than just go full force with it. Similar to what we saw tonight, like Bree and Steph, like that could have been done in a matter of, what, two segments? The main event one, they could have put it wherever they wanted to. Yeah, it would have worked. And and yet they, they had to, you know, we had the very opening recap started with Stephanie McMahon. I was happy that they segued into the fact that, you know, there's a title shot at SummerSlam. But at the same time, that's where it started. And then that's also where the show ended. So we were bookended, as well as a few other sections of the show, by Stephanie McMahon and Brie Bella. Well, one of the things that I did want to state here, and something that I pointed on the reaction on uh, the yes thread as well, was the fact that, in fairness, they did happen to uh, give one person a little bit of further character development, and that was Nikki Bella. And the character development that they gave to Nikki Bella was the fact that not only did she step on AJ's lines when AJ was cutting her pipe bomb promo, she managed to step on everybody else's lines, on Stephanie's lines this evening on Raw, by talking all over the backstage segment that they had as well. So, Yeah, I, I mean, I don't know how much of an uh, addition to her character they gave to Nikki. I mean, she—they—they're they, both not all that great behind the microphone. They're—they're they're both kind of—they exaggerate the wrong words. They get a little bit crazy, but uh, yeah, you know, it is what it is. And 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 I'll go back to what I always say: is you know, they come with pra- better better acting, better wrestling comes with practice. So you can't knock them for putting it out there, even though we may not like it at the particular point. All right, it's time to get into quick hits. All right. I have to pull up my format sheet here. All right, let's start with the six-man tag, Dolph Ziggler and the Usos against Ryback, Axel, and The Miz. Um, 
Dolph Ziggler picks up another big win, this time pinning uh, Ryback in the middle of the ring after the zigzag. So I have two questions for you. One, do you think we're going to see Dolph and Miz have their singles match for the Intercontinental title at SummerSlam? And two, what do you think is the significance of the new nation, we don't have an official name for them yet, being at ringside during the course of this match? Um, I do believe that we're going to get Miz versus Dolph. Um, like I said before, SummerSlam's a pretty fast card usually. I see that being added. I'm not opposed to it. Uh, I don't know if Dolph's going to win or not, but him picking up a win tonight was actually pretty surprising. I know I was surprised. I didn't see it coming, uh, <clears throat> especially over Ryback. I know that Ryback is nothing in the grand scheme of things, but it's still weird to see him be pinned. Um, anyways, uh, you know, the Usos, they're floundering yet again. They're, I believe that they're trying to build some tag teams. The rumors of a fatal four-way tag team match at SummerSlam looks very apparent when you look at uh, Goldust and Stardust doing their thing. When you look at the Usos still together, Ryback and Curtis Axel are there, and then you've got, Biggie and Kofi with Xavier on the side. Speaking of which, to answer your question, I think the implications are that they are going to be a part of the tag team arena, more so than the IC thing. This is a common mixture of feuds that the WWE does a lot with six-man tags. IC title, tag teams, they're in there, whatever. It was an average match, slightly below average in my opinion. I was a little too short. And I got to applaud them for doing a bunch of little things to try to make this Miz character come, uh, you know, be something of merit. I don't know if they're doing well in the eye of the fan or not, but at least they're trying. I'm talking sunglasses on the apron, the constant, um, you know, backing away from getting hit in the face, a lot of things like that. I can I can see where you're coming from with the Miz thing. Uh, one of the things that Miz has been quoted as saying is in order to prepare for the new Hollywood character that he's doing is he's been watching a lot of Andy Kaufman, and I think that that shows, actually because he has the same kind of cowardice about him that Andy Kaufman had when he was doing his feud with Jerry Lawler as well. But at the same time, that overbearing swagger that Kaufman had as well is coming through in Miz as well. And another thing that I'll point out too about the Miz here is the fact that they kind of changed up his entrance as well by adding the uh, quiet on the set and doing the darkening into the Hollywood scene there. Almost like how when The Rock returned back in 2003 to do the, the rematch with Hulk Hogan at No Way Out there was the Hollywood Rock entrance video, the uh, the full scan pa- panorama of the Hollywood scene there, and then this very soft, if you smell, from the Rock's signature catchphrase there. Now, and I think that's something that they could add to the Mrs. as well by toning down that awesome, maybe adding it to the end of the quiet on the set there, you could go right into I Came to Play Mrs. Entrance music from that and still keep the nature of the character alive. But it's the little things that they're adding to the character in addition to Miz studying his footage and studying his tapes to help give the character even that much more kind of kind of a footing as well that's making me actually enjoy Hollywood Miz probably more than I've enjoyed Miz in a very long time. Uh, All right, let's go to Naomi and Natalia versus Alicia Fox and Cameron. Next. No, um <laughs> they I just couldn't. I, I, Cameron just still just looked really um, below average to me. Naomi, I see the the booking that they're doing. You know, the, as far as Cameron and Naomi getting their thing done. That that Luthes press that she did on the apron on the camera looked pretty cool. But other than that, I don't know. It just it's one of those things that just doesn't mean too much to me. They didn't get a lot of time. It was really really rushed, and uh, it wasn't bad. But you know, it's a matter of whether you care or not. And I just I don't really care. 
the only thing I have to say about this here, well, two real quick things. is One, it was good to see Natalia on television actually getting a win, even if she wasn't involved in the decision itself. And two, hopefully they get Naomi moved on past Cameron and back into the uh, title picture as well, because the match she had with Paige at Money in the Bank was actually really good, I thought. All right, let's move forward with Damian Sandow and Adam Rose. <laughs> this was about as important to me as the Divas match was. Um, I know that we've been holding on to Sandow doing his thing and, like you said, turning you know turning everything he gets into as the best as he can, but it's just it's really tiresome, especially when the commentator kind of ruins the one line that you had good, um, you know, Houston, we have a problem while they're in Houston. It's very obvious that they were going for that the moment he came out. But for Cole to say it just before Sando said it kind of, I don't know, kind of killed what little, little air that thing had in it. Uh, complete filler. Uh, I just didn't, I didn't care for it. I'm not going to care for it next week. Something needs to happen for both of these guys or they just need to be repackaged completely. Uh, Sandow actually ties into who I'm going to touch on next, but I will say this much right now. We've been making a point of here on the reaction of pointing out that Damian Sandow has an amazing ability to turn chicken shit into chicken salad. Tonight, it was straight up chicken shit. As yeah, you said, Cole stepping on the one decent line that that Sandow would have had. Um, the fact that Obviously, the reason the match was so short is probably because that astronaut suit was not easy, was not comfortable for Sandow to wear, let alone wrestle in. And to be perfectly honest here, other than the song itself, nobody really cares about Adam Rose anymore. And I think that's something that's very apparent to the WWE, but at the same time, they're still trying to put him on television to appeal to whatever market that they feel he may or may not have left. Well, it's the WWE's fault that nobody cares about them. Um, it's it, it was you know it, it's one of those situations where they say, oh, this guy has no direction, or he's not pulling ratings, or he's just not interesting. Well, it's your fault because I would venture to say that any good writer can turn a uninteresting character with um, you know with a lot of upside into something interesting. They simply need to try, and with Adam Rose with, you know, lack of backing from the office or whatever rumor that we may believe in, with Adam Rose, they they, they just never gave it a chance. All right, let's touch on next here in the the next to last thing we're going to hit in quick hits, uh, Diego versus Fandango. Um, yeah, man. I mean, why don't we just call this list, uh, you know, shit that doesn't matter? Um, because this didn't matter either. It's... Uh, I haven't cared about the Matadors since they got here. El Torito, Hornswoggle, they don't do anything for me as much as the kids may love them. This was, I don't know, well, I don't care. <laughs> Fandango continues to look good. Uh, two, the girls are well, I, have two, I have two quick points to make about this match here. One of them is really quick here is it was worth it on, it was worth, this match was worth being on screen for the sole purpose of putting Layla in that, in that, in that bullfighter-ass outfit. Sweet freaking baby Jeebus. And to uh, the other point that I actually want to raise here is, do you think it's possible that we might be seeing maybe a new version of the job squad forming here with Fondango and Damian Sandow, and that maybe the key to these two getting back on track will be somehow aligning with each other and going after maybe the tag titles? Well, I mean, we've heard that 
rumor of a ta- of a team of wrestlers that are upset of their position and whatnot. And we've talked about, at least I've talked about how you know how hard that would be to pull off, and how little faith I have with the WWE to actually do something like that. In regards to Sandow and Fandango, if they do end up as a tag team, I don't see them going anywhere other than where they are right now. Um, even even as a tag team, I mean, we've seen we've seen mid card people who are going who are floundering join up together and not be anything. Ryback and Curtis Axel is a, a perfect example. They're not anything other than keeping each other busy. Well, I got a feeling that the two of them together would, at the very least, keep their keep their embarrassments to one per show rather than both of them getting embarrassed on the same show. And especially since apparently Fandango can't work his way around Summer and Layla now in order to even get anywhere near back to where his career was at this point last year. I mean, coming off of the win at WrestleMania against Jericho and then going, I mean, the loss of extreme roles to Jericho as well, but at the same time he had the uh, the plan was to put the IC title on the guy before he suffered the concussion last year, and then it's been kind of downhill from there for him. Right. All right, last thing to touch on quick hits here because we don't really have anywhere else to slot it on the show is uh, the Roman Reigns-Randy Orton situation. I felt like it went a little long. What do you think? Oh, yeah. Yeah, that went a little long. Um, It was cool. I mean, I like that Orton's upset. They showed a little bit of fire. This is an Orton that people have been waiting for, wanting, um, you know. His RKO didn't exactly break the table, but it it finally did. It did some work. This was meant to give... Uh, Orton an edge because Reigns has been untouchable. Reigns has been nothing but, you know, a Superman, and they needed to give Orton something because the obvious SummerSlam match is coming. I don't know what they're going to do with Kane, if anything. He kind of was the odd man out here. I don't want him. I don't want a triple threat match. I don't see any need for it. Uh, I'd rather just have it stick to Reigns and Orton. But at the same time, this kind of – the segment itself was reminiscent of Orton's career in its entirety where – He's good, but then you hit a point and he just gets boring. Um, <laughs> this segment kind of hit that spot where it went on a little too long. It could have been nicely packaged up, but it just kind of kept going. And we get Orton's angry, but when you overdo it, it comes off a little cheesy. And I think that's what this segment did, ended up doing. It was great 90% of the way. That final 10 kind of kind of pushed it off a little bit. Uh, do you think the first RKO was intended to break the table? And if it had, do you think we'd be having this conversation about it dragging on too long? I think it dragged on before the RKOs. But, yeah, I do think that the RKO was supposed to break it once, and doing it again was necessary, so I wasn't too upset about that. Besides, you know, it's always nice to see him do a little bit more than he's asked for in terms of the, the finishing move. It makes it look more brutal, and you're supposed to care a little bit more about Reigns' health. All right, that'll do it for quick hits here. Hey, Tony, let's talk about Raw. Do it. Uh, specifically, let's focus on our opening segment from the evening here with uh, John Cena and the former Antonio Cesaro. And okay. the fact that if only for one night, Cesaro found himself realigned as a Paul Heyman guy. Yeah. Um, well, I want to, you know, every John Cena promo is the same. Okay, he's got like three different promos, and he pulled out number two today, which is the one who, you know, I can defy the odds and be something. Um, yes, it's Brock Lesnar. Yes, they've had this match before. Uh, he went on about how he has heart and he has 
passion for this business, and it was nothing new, nothing we haven't heard before. And I'm, I'm really, I know that I'm a little bit more um, hesitant to enjoy John Cena's promos, so it may be a little bit more biased coming from me. But I was just bored. Like I get it, I get that you're the champion, I get that you're full of heart and passion, and nothing Brock's gonna do is gonna take you over. He even mentioned that he beat him before. So I want to know what they're gonna do to make this different, because as of right now, I'm not feeling any different. I'm not feeling anything different. Um, honestly, I think the thing that they can do to make this different here is I think that you actually need to have them have more interaction with each other going up to the show here. Hopefully we'll have Brock around more on the road here, and then you can have Brock destroying people that Cena can come out and make the save for and have them get physically involved with each other rather than having one at one show and then one not at the next show, like how Cena wasn't there last week, Brock wasn't there this week. And I think the right. fact that they're not having any interaction with each other is hurting. Obviously, Heyman's going to do the bulk of Brock's mic work because, well, we've seen Brock Lesnar with a microphone. It's not pretty. But Lesnar doesn't need a microphone to get over his intimidating presence, whereas Cena can draw people in with his promos. And I actually disagree with you. I actually thought tonight's Cena promo was relatively solid up until he got completely shown up by Cesaro's mic work on the evening. And then I actually think that... I actually think here that Cena has to get over the fact that to the, to the fans watching Cena has to get over to the fans watching the fact that there is legitimate danger here because this is a much more dangerous Brock Lesnar than the Brock Lesnar he faced back in 2012. I don't think it was the right idea for Cena to bring up the fact that they met before and that Cena beat him because that just reminds people that it can be done and you want to keep that spur of doubt in the fans, especially the C-Nation fans, that Cena can lose to Brock here, right? despite the fact that he's beaten him before. You just don't want to keep bringing up that kind of thing there because you want to keep Lesnar looking strong going into a match like this. And this is a guy who the last time we saw him created arguably the most shocking moment in the history of the WWE, and especially at its biggest show in WrestleMania when he ended the Undertaker's undefeated streak. Yeah. But do you really... Does anyone have any doubt that, you know... And I'm not saying John Cena is going to win at SummerSlam. I'm saying, has the doubt been placed? because of everything that we've seen from Cena, regardless of who he faces, and because that this is the same promo that he's been cutting for years, is there really any doubt? You say that doubt needs to be placed. I agree completely, but where is it at? And I just don't see, uh, I don't see Brock coming to show up that he's going to beat anyone or whatever. It's just, uh, I don't know. It's just more of the same for me, even though we're going to get Brock versus Cena, even though it's a big match, it's just bleh. Do you think uh, do you think they're kind of banking on the fact that Lesnar's on an incredible streak right now, given the fact that his last two matches were the win over Punk at SummerSlam and the win over Undertaker at WrestleMania? No, they're banking on the fact and that it's Brock Lesnar versus John Cena. That's that's literally all they're banking banking on. That they feel, I believe that they feel that's all that they need, and they're gonna run with that. That's they don't need anything else. They'll just go with a average John Cena promo. We'll have Heyman speak for Brock. There will be nothing new. Everything's going to be transparent because that match alone is marquee enough to sell itself. Well, I think to the casual fan, maybe to the fans that, I mean, obviously you get the pay-per-views with the network, but maybe to the casual fan and they see a guy like a John Cena versus a Brock Lesnar, I think that enough in and of itself would be enough to draw the casual fan. 
Well, you know, it's 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 like saying, you know, I'm going to buy the new Stephen King book regardless of what the content is. Um, I still want to be intrigued. I still want to be entertained, and I still want someone to tell me that this is worth buying. That's pretty much, you know, the sole argument that I have in regard to the main event. But then again, you've got the rest of the card, which, you know, looks pretty good. So maybe they don't need to build it up. Um, well, we discussed this last week with Heyman's promo here, and then Heyman had some really good mic work this week as well. Do you think that then maybe they're counting on the fact that Paul Heyman can be the one to sell this match to everybody? Probably, and he's probably going to be the only one that can do it. At least to because me. Heyman has know, that's because I, yeah, I have no interest in what Cena says unless it changes. Because Heyman still has an air of credibility about the way that he talks and the fact that whenever Heyman opens his mouth, it's usually something that makes people want to listen. Yeah. All right, so let's actually talk about the match with Cesaro itself here. Uh, your thoughts on the match itself, and do you think that this might be a sign of perhaps a turn for Cesaro back towards being someone of relevance in the scene in the WWE? Um, yeah, before the break, uh, it, was, it was kind of boring. Uh, not anything bad, but, I mean, that's it's the beginning of the match. They're building to something. After the break, everything was awesome. They gave Cesaro a whole bunch of credibility. He didn't need to win. If he won, it wouldn't have made any sense. Um, I'm not of the camp that says that he buried Cesaro. I think he did great. I think they both looked equal. This wasn't as good as their last match that they had together. That was really fucking awesome. But, you know, the little things from the attitude of Justin from the top rope to just the fact that Cesaro can, you know, lift Cena, throw him around, stuff like that. He looked like a champion. It looked great. And and I hope, I don't know if it is, but I hope that it is a return to form with Cesaro being somewhat um, a member of the main event. I mean, I've read reports about how they're trying to really build Roman Reigns as the next big star and everything, but I really don't understand and have never understood why they can't build multiple stars, you know? They're always so afraid to just allow people to grow um, and instead have this mentality of, you know, just everyone pulling on each other, dropping them down so that one person's at the top. Yeah, I'm with you there. I think that there's a way to, and this, I, I think that's one of the things that we fall with creative a lot of the time, is there's a way to build up multiple people at once and make them seem important here because they're doing it with a guy like Rusev as well. It's, they've managed to make everybody care about Rusev once again because of the cold angle that's done on Spike. We'll get to that in a few seconds here. But referring specifically into Cesaro here, is Cesaro is somebody that fans want to watch, and the fact that the fans reacted the way that they did when he originally started to attempt the giant swing before Cena sat up, out, sat up and rolled out of it into the sunset flip, and then when Cesaro actually got the giant swing a little bit later on in the match. There's a reaction there for Cesaro. There's a fan base there for Cesaro. I mean, I remember the Cesaro section signs and everything there. I remember the fact that the fans were getting behind him, and the fans actually cheered when he announced himself as a Paul Heyman guy, but then the the, uh, the run with Heyman took a turn for the worse, and they they kind of dropped off, uh, dropped into the back burner when Heyman started to return back to being the manager for Brock Lesnar here. But tonight was a way for Cesaro to show to the fans at home, and the fans in the arenas that he can still hang with a credible with a main eventer and John Cena and look credible in the fact that he was not squashed tonight. He was not buried tonight. He got in a good amount of offense. He escaped Cena's finisher on multiple occasions, and it took one off of the ropes to finally put him down for the three count. Yep. Continuing on here with the raw reaction, once again, he is Actually, you know what? Before we continue any further here, I think we've got to pay some bills, Tony. 
forgot to do it before quick hit, so let's do it right now. The Raw Reaction is a presentation of Powerhouse Radio in association with ProWrestlingPowerhouse.com. www.ProWrestlingPowerhouse.com. In addition, we are also affiliated with Wrestling to the Max, which is our friend Sean Garmer's podcast. He's one of your coworkers at 401. Sean Garmer's podcast with uh, Paul Lazier and Gary Joe Vaughn that airs usually right after us here on Monday nights. Sean Garmer is brought to you by Wrestling to the Mat. Sorry, hit it again. Didn't mean to. Anyways, in addition, we're also affiliated with the Yes, Yes, Yes forum on Facebook, which happens to be the group that I run, and... In my own personal time, I'm also the play-by-play announcer for both Black Diamond Wrestling as well as Real Action Pro Wrestling as well. So uh, why don't you go ahead and tell them about what you do with 401 Mania, Tony? I do the weekly Raw report. Um, I write about it so you don't have to watch it, even though you probably will, um, which is fine. And I also do the Wrestling 5-1. Uh, I'm not sure if you – well, yeah, you've been following. You know, Renee Young did win. She's going to be in the Hall of Bang, Hall of Bang soon. Uh, this week, I put Lana against Trish Stratus, and I'm very, very surprised that Trish is um, in the lead and most likely going to take it. I didn't see that coming. I thought that the whole flavor of the month idea was really taking over this column, and uh, they kind of proved that even though that it, that may be true to an extent, Trish is kind of untouchable. It, it, it's very interesting to see. Aside from that, I wrote about nostalgia, and it was kind of what we touched upon last week, how... Um, how little Bret Hart coming to the ring meant, um, not last week, but the week before, how little it meant when he came down and how much it should have meant. Uh, I talk about that at, at length in a little bit more detail, so um, go ahead and check that out. But, yeah, I'm there every week. All right, let's continue on here with the Raw Reaction. Once again, he's Tony Acero. I'm Harry Broadhurst. You are listening to the Raw Reaction for July 28th. Well, no. July 29th here on the East Coast, but, you know, it happens. We go long. And it's time for your second do of the evening, Tony. Well, you know, of the show. Yeah, my do is uh, the return of Jack Swagger. A running joke in the 401 Mania Raw report uh, during the show was how often the dirt sheets were incorrect. Um, And I'm talking, like, a lot of things. They talked about how, well, first of all, how Jericho was supposed to face Harper tonight, um, how Cesaro was told not to do the big swing anymore, how John Cena was only going to hold just the, the WWE title instead of the World Heavyweight one as well. And one other rumor that was going around was that Jack Swagger had been dropped from the storyline regarding Rusev. Um, it just goes to show that, you know, the Internet is almost always, you know, having a spot where they're just wrong or not true, or the fact that WWE is so up in the air that they don't decide until the day of the show. Regardless, I tend to stay away from rumors um, unless it enhances what I'm about to say. Um, this particular case, there, is a, there was a rumor that Swagger and Rusev, the storyline, was done. Tonight we saw the return of Swagger, and it is not done. <laughs> and I'm pretty happy. Um, you predicted a flag match last week or the week before, and it's pretty blatantly obvious that that's where they're going after this week. Um, the only downside of today's or tonight's um, interaction between Rusev and Swagger was 
the fact that Zeb Coulter wasn't exactly on point with his promos. He skipped over a lot. He kind of flubbed up. But that's minor when you're speaking about, you know, the former Dutch mantle. Like, it's not a big deal. Everything else came off great. Lana looked hot. The storyline is progressing. Swagger and Rusev are bumping heads. The crowd was into it. Um, I'm excited. I think they're going to get a second match, and it's going to be a lot more fun than Battleground. Yeah, I think the flag match has potential to be a show stealer at SummerSlam, especially given the crowd reactions that Swagger and Rusev have been getting over the last couple of weeks. Uh, it was a running joke on it was a running joke on the yes thread as well about how tonight was basically one gigantic screw you to the dirt sheets from the WWE with everything that happened on Raw tonight. But I pointed out the fact that I think that bump that Swagger took into the ring post at Battleground was actually legitimate. He was actually knocked out because what other reason would they have had to curb the momentum of this angle for Raw following? battleground than to do that because the reactions from the crowds have been phenomenal yeah I'm not I'm, I don't know I haven't heard of anything I'm not going to jump the gun and say that he was but you know regardless of whether he was or whether they skipped or whether they were considering canceling it I'm really happy that they didn't I see a lot of potential here and uh, I'm excited to see where it goes Yeah, same here. As I said, we called the flag match a couple weeks ago here on uh, the reaction. It really wouldn't surprise me to see them be the direction that be the direction that they actually do go with this going forward into SummerSlam. Here, I mean, we're looking at a really stacked card for SummerSlam. So, and I think that that match right there is a special attraction match. Would be just another reason to uh, just another reason for us to want to see what goes on there with with SummerSlam itself. All right, we're going to take a quick break here on the Raw Reaction. We will be right back after this. I'm going to go ahead and find a song to play here because I'm having issues with my phone anyway. So we'll be right back with more of the Raw Reaction right after this. You're listening to the Raw Reaction on Powerhouse Radio here on blogtalkradio.com.
I just want to state for the record that that is actually my favorite dance. Oh, good to know. And and the fact that we have a Godsmack track in our sound panel makes me very happy. All right, everybody, you're back in the raw reaction once again. Harry Broadhurst, Tony Asero joining you here, and we continue on this evening with. I think it's time for Harry's hit, Tony. Let's do it. All right, let me get down to my badass sound effect here in the soundboard. I still think this is probably my favorite reaction. Here comes up. Here comes up. Here comes up. Harry's hit. Don't get me wrong, I like your do sound effects and all, but the Nelly track from the Longest Yard, that's some badass. Yeah, it's pretty cool. Yeah, okay, so it's ironic that we start with Nelly and then we segue into another rapper here. And uh, <laughs> one of those what the hell moments on WWE Monday Night Raw tonight. The King yeah. is Dead, Long Live the Truth? Okay. Somebody has to explain this one to me, because it makes no freaking sense whatsoever. Of all the people on the roster in the WWE to end the undefeated streak of Bo Dallas, it's our truth. I, I dare you to give me a logical explanation as to why it was truth that ended the streak. Well, I like to think it's because he believed... That was a sign no, of desperation. Uh, no, in in um in all reality I have no idea why. Um yeah, don't ever call our truth a rapper again. But uh in terms of wrestling, he <laughs> he also holds very little credibility in that arena as well. I mean he's a good wrestler and everything, but I'm I'm talking about the character, not so much the man behind the character. Um, no, I mean you know yeah, yeah, like it's 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 uh okay. Here's the thing. This is what I asked myself. If not our truth, then who? You know, and answers immediately came. Seamus, Big Show, stuff like that. You know, the big, bigger name, something, someone, something, and someone that mattered and everything. Here's, I'm not sure how I felt about him losing, um, but I'm pretty sure I didn't want our truth to be the person he lost to. Um, the beatdown afterwards. This is I, I wrote in the raw report. I know why they did it. I'm just not sure I liked them doing it. They did it because this is they want him to be more heelish. They want us to believe that he is not a good guy. <laughs> they needed some spark, some sort of, you know, moment where he was something more. This is what we've been asking for. We've been asking for Bo Dallas to be more fleshed out. Well, that happened tonight. He lost, he snapped, he beat him up, and then he smiled again. It was perfect execution on Bo Dallas's part. However, it was against our truth. So it, it leads us, including yourself, you know, you, me, the entire IWC, to ask why him? Was he big enough? Was he a big enough name to care about? And was he not so big to where you could believe a Bo Dallas beatdown? Because keep in mind, it's Bo Dallas. He's like 123 pounds. Um, so yeah, I, I see where you're coming from. I really <laughs> most do. of it's in his gut. Right. <laughs> but but I mean, and I don't know the answer. I don't know the answer. But if you were, maybe you know the answer. If not our truth, then who? And this isn't a defense of our truth. It was a really horrible segment. I, I just didn't like it too much. But if not our truth, who would you rather choose, and how would you work it out? 
I can think of the perfect person who have been the one that ended his segment, and it ties into actually something that I don't know if they're ever going to acknowledge on WWE television. Okay. Perfect person to end Bo Dallas's streak would have been Chris Jericho. And Continue. here's why. <laughs> you do the- you do the uh, you do the same post match situation with Jericho that they had with with our with our true fear. You have Bo Dallas shock Jericho with a microphone shot and then beat him down, and then that leaves Jericho prey to be attacked by the Wyatt family as well. Mm-hmm. And there's no connection between Bo and Bray. Um, they're brothers. Yeah, I'm aware of that. But do you want is is that is that going to be blatant or is it going to be ignored? Um. I mean, you can kind of subtly hint at it. I mean, I don't think they necessarily want to acknowledge on screen the actual connection between the two of them, but you can subtly hint at the fact that Little Brother's doing Bray's dirty work for him. Right. And at the same time, it's not not exactly like it's a secret that Jericho's been known to want to put over the younger guys here. I mean, look at the rub he gave Fandango last year. Look at the the rub that he gave Ziggler before he went away in 2011 as well. So it's not a secret that Jericho's willing to give these younger guys the big win that they need there. But with Jericho having the huge feud with Bray Wyatt right now, and if you want to establish a stronger edge to a guy like a Bo Dallas here, why not use it to further another storyline as well, in addition to having that snap moment for for Bo himself? Yeah. Just that's off the top of my head. There would be Jericho would be at that. <laughs> but I think a lot of that might have to do with the fact that they don't want to actually acknowledge the relationship between Bo and Bray. And you can kind of understand why, because they're doing completely different things here, with Bray having kind of the cult gimmick going on and Bo having the fake inspirational leader gimmick. Going on. Mm-hmm. I just I thought that was something that could have been touched on and flushed out a little bit right. further personally. No, I definitely. All right, we're going to take a little I'm... bit of a break from Raw here, and we we've been known to promote independent wrestling here on the reaction before. I specifically remember using my hit one week to plug the return pay per view back in May of Chikara. And as Tony mentioned himself, him and a gorilla and a really hot blonde who bled buckets, it's time for the third do of the evening here. That one's for you, Candace. <laughs> yeah, man, she bled. Um, okay, yeah, I went to a PWG show this weekend. Um, Joey Ryan and Candace oh, were teaming up together against the uh, Young Bucks for the, the tag team titles, and it was a guerrilla warfare match where Candice O'Reilly got tombstoned on the outside of the ring, and then the next time we saw her, she was bleeding out buckets. Um, the girl definitely put some put some work in, and uh, it was... Uh, I mean, that wasn't the only match on the card, but if there's something to talk about, it's definitely that one. Aside from the very sad, yet very also happy moment of Kevin Steen's last PWG match. Not his last match, but his last match there. Um, he talked a bit about having to go save the orphans with El Generico. Didn't specify where, but we all know where. And, um, you know, he rolled around in streamers. He, he, had, a, he had a pretty solid match that uh, he put someone over. He not only put someone over, but got super kicked by the Young Bucks and, uh, you know, Adam Cole. So it was, it was a fun show. But if I'm going to give props to anyone in particular, it would have to be Candice LeRae, mainly because not just the bump that she took on the outside, not just the fact that she bled, but also the fact that she got her ass beat in that match. I'm talking 
They put thumbtacks on the bottom of a shoe, put the shoe on, and kicked her in the face. It was crazy. Um, you know, in, in the PG era, you know, even in indie shows, a lot of the ones that I go to are somewhat family-friendly. So this is a little bit of a deviation from the norm. At least it's been that way for a few years now. Of course, the last time I went to a VWG show, I saw a crazy-ass match um, that ended up with a lot of blood as well. But, but what I'm saying is this, this slowly segues into a tweet that was sent out by Velvet Sky about um, divas or female wrestlers not cutting into themselves and don't chop yourselves up and basically giving out a little PSA about how they should, you know, people should, or women specifically shouldn't do that or don't have to do that to get to the top. Um, I don't think it has much merit regarding this match. She didn't have to go through it. And admittedly, it was a little bit uncomfortable to watch, not too much. But, I mean, is it really that offensive to people that, you know, that she had to go out and say something like that? Or is this just someone trying to call people out? Because from what I saw, it was a big moment for her, for Joey Ryan. It was everywhere. People tweeted about it. Um, I even got a few photos of her bloodied face. Um, so, I don't know. Where do you stand on that particular aspect of, you know, female wrestlers? Uh, as somebody that's been following PWG for many years now, I actually own their very first show on DVD from, like, 2002. And as somebody that's been a steady fan of the product there, one of the people that constantly impresses me when I watch the PWG shows is Candice LeRae. She's come so far from her days as Human Tornado's valet and getting her ass beat by Tornado when Tornado was doing the pimp gimmick in PWG. I don't know how much of that you do and don't remember because I don't know how often you were going to PWG shows back then as well, so... But she was standing up for herself then and getting beaten bloody by human tornadoes. So this isn't exactly anything new to fans of PWG. Um, for Velvet Sky to make a comment like that kind of shows Velvet's ignorance towards women's wrestling in general there. And the fact that Velvet and Angelina get most of their credibility on the fact that they shake their asses on the ring ropes as they're getting into the ring rather than anything they can actually do inside of it as compared to a woman like Candace, who is not only a very beautiful young woman, but is also an amazing worker. So I think a lot of that might stem from jealousy as well, too, because they wish that they could do something like what Candace does, like what, say, somebody like a cheerleader Melissa does on a regular basis, like what somebody, something like a mischief. And these are names that most main independent women's wrestling fans will know. Um, Melissa is the Shimmer Champion. Mischief was the second ever Shimmer Champion. She took that belt from none other than Sarah Delray, who now is the head female trainer down in NXT. So it's something that a lot of these women are not opposed to doing in order to help sell a storyline, in order to help sell an angle, in order to help make the match mean even more than what it's already going to mean to a crowd there. So I compliment Candice on the fact that um, yeah, well, Grant, like, I haven't, you know, the last show I went to was about a year and a half ago. I don't really follow the product. I've, I'm well, I'm okay with saying that I don't watch a lot of indie wrestling. I watch what I watch when I can, um, and I enjoy it when I'm there. And, you know, from what I know, from all accounts, this was a blow-off feud. This is something that's been going on for months now, and it was a, a culmination of things that ended, resulted in the place just blowing up. Everyone was happy. Everyone. It was, it was, this crowd is something that you just don't see anymore in terms of wrestling, at least on WWE television. 
And that's why I, I encourage a lot of people to go check out indie wrestling. If for any reason, then to be a part of a crowd that still loves this shit. Um, there's always going to be idiots that cheer the dumbest things. There's always going to be dumb wrestling fans that, you know, I've had people read 411mania.com on their phone in front of me trying to drop knowledge to me as if I have no idea what's going on. Like, I write for the site, dude. <laughs> so, you know, it, it's a very interesting dynamic, but it still doesn't mean that you shouldn't go check it out. So I was really excited to be there. And um, I do agree. I think the, the comment from Velvet just stems from a little bit too uh, a little bit too much of a holier-than-thou thought, especially considering the um, um, the present state of her comp- of where she works. Um, she may want to calm down a little bit. We weren't going to discuss that, Tony. <laughs> well, I'm not going to discuss it in depth, nor am I going to discuss the company. I don't have enough leg to stand on to discuss it. But, uh, but yeah, in, in, in essence, well, the show was enjoyable. Well, that's they don't have a TV deal to stand on. Hey, yo. <laughs> The show was enjoyable. It was it was fun to watch, and um, I do encourage people to join. I think the next one is the Battle of L.A., which I hear is nothing but amazing. I've never been, but... Uh, if you have a chance to go, I highly recommend you go to BOLA this year. It's I, I think it's a two-night tournament this year. They're taking it back to two nights because yeah. at one point it was two, and then they went down to one night, and now I think it's back to two nights this year. And it's going to be a who's who of independent professional wrestling. And I actually have a friend of mine who is going to BOLA. So if you have a chance to go to BOLA, I highly recommend that you do so. But I can guarantee you tickets are going to go fast. Right. Uh, and the other thing that I wanted to mention here real quick here is I wanted to get your thoughts on post-WWE Chris Hero and his match with Kyle O'Reilly for the PWG heavyweight title. Um, you know, Chris Hero, it's funny. I took a picture with Chris Hero. I was wearing a shirt that had uh, Jack Nicholson on it from The Shining, and he's looking, he's the Here's Johnny part where he breaks through the uh, door. So his eyes are looking uh-huh. towards the left. I took a picture with Chris Hero, and he was sitting on the ring apron, so he was a little bit higher. Um, um, Jack Nicholson on the shirt is literally staring at Chris Hero's gut with a shocked face. It was not choreographed, but it looked hilarious. I'll post it on the SCSDS page. Um, <laughs> but it, no, he. Oh, the match that's was terrible. The match was the match was awesome. Yeah, he's a little bit chunky. Yeah, he's he's getting a little bit of weight, but the match was it was great. It was a great match. It, it was everything that in that O'Reilly kid, son of a bitch. <laughs> Kids got got heart. Um, Chris Hero put him over uh, at the end of the show. Ricochet came out and attacked him. I'm sorry, not Ricochet. I'm sorry. Well, I don't. Oh, I was reading Ricochet. Okay, no. Um, he was attacked by Roderick Strong after the match, and Chris Hero put him over. He sat down three feet away from me, waiting for the attack to end. And then he went into the mic and he told O'Reilly that you need to man up. You're the future. Blah blah blah. Gave him a nice encouraging speech. Um, you know, it was a nice little moment. But, yeah, to, to those wondering, Chris Hero still got it, all right? He wrestled, I think, I want to say 20, 25 minutes, didn't look out of breath. Didn't look, He looked out of shape, but didn't look out of breath. Um, a very technical match for the first 15 minutes. He worked the leg the entire time. O'Reilly worked the arm the entire time. They sold it all well. It was It was a standout match on the card, I think. Yeah, and actually, the reason I bring up Hero here is because I actually had the chance to work with Hero myself when he came into into work for Black Diamond back in February. And it's the same comment you had to say is, the thing is, is Chris has never been in phenomenal, phenomenal physical shape. But 
I don't think there's any doubt that when it comes to actual wrestling, wrestling inside of the United States of America, there are very few in this country that are better than Chris Hero inside of the ring. Right. The fact that he doesn't have the look that maybe the WWE and specifically Triple H was looking for, because I remember the word coming out on the sheets a while back here, and I'd honestly believe this one to be accurate in that Triple H didn't feel that Chris Hero was main roster worthy because of the look that he has. But then you look at a guy like a Bo Dallas who has that same kind of gut that Chris Hero has, and fans are behind the Bo Dallas character despite them not wanting them, despite the WWE not wanting them to be. Because yeah, Dallas you know, was able to get over on personality alone, and I think Hero could have done the same thing. Well, a good friend of mine and uh, also former writer of the site, Michael Ornelas, he um, he mentioned that Chris Hero was hired, he was simply hired at the wrong time. Um, and I don't know how much truth that holds, but I thought it was an interesting um, comment to say that, you know, had uh, had he been hired at a, a different time, then maybe he would still be employed there. Um. Well, I think the reason Hero got hired has a lot to do with uh, some of his friends in higher places in the company, uh, guys yeah. like a Brian Danielson and guys like a CM Punk, who he had a masterpiece with back in IWA Mid-South when those two went out in the two-on-three false match that went a little over 93 minutes. Jesus. Yeah, and neither one of them looked tired during any part of that match until the match was actually over and they were able to take a break, and you could tell that they left everything they had inside of the ring. Right. All right. What in the world is going on over there? It's a doggone shame, uh, Tony. <laughs> you may or may not have heard my cat meow into the phone a few minutes ago. Anyway, so, you know, whatever. The show's literally gone to the cats and the dogs. Seriously. <laughs> Let's talk about Raw. And let's touch on a subject that we briefly discussed earlier this evening, but let's get more into it here. The Jericho-Wyatt feud, specifically referring to the interaction tonight after the Jericho-Seth Rollins matchup. Uh, your thoughts on Jericho-Rollins, first of all? Um, it was a good match. Yeah, it, it was kind of what I expected. Um, the the go-home part of it was really exciting, and I... I expected it, so I was I wasn't surprised. You know, it wasn't like oh my god, I can't believe this was such a good match. Um, it, they did everything I thought they would do. So it, it's uh, it's good for Rollins to, to actually have matches with people like Jericho. It gives him more credibility, and it also puts him firmly in the main event. Even though Jericho can technically isn't in the main event right now, um, it, they got a little bit more time than I thought they were going to. Um, you know. A lot of people thought they were going to get half an hour or so because of the place on the on the time slot, but I, I didn't really expect that. I, I knew, you know, Steph was going to have the the last moment when um, when she spoke with uh, <laughs> Nikki Bella in the backstage area. So, so I, I knew it was going to end, you know, prematurely. I think we all foresaw White coming through, but it doesn't take away from the fact that they had a pretty good match. Uh, your thoughts on the actual the actual finish that led to the. Uh... Why an interference there with the springboard attempt by Rollins counter right in midair into the code breaker? Well, I dare say that that is the prettiest that's looked when, and out of all the times Jericho's <laughs> used that specific counter. Yeah, Rollins is great as far as taking offense. He's a pretty good seller. Um, it did look good. It meant the end of the match. Uh, I think that's what they were going for, the possibility that Rollins can be pinned by Jericho, giving Jericho some instant credibility. 
not that he needs it, um, but also given, you know, Rollins just the simple proof that he's not at that stage. Even though he could tangle with the big guys, even though he's got the briefcase, um, you know, even though he's triples la- Triple H's lackey, he's uh, he's getting there, you know. Um, which you may sound like I'm contradicting what I just said about him being a part of the main event, but no, it doesn't. It means that he's a part of the group. He's just not at the top, which is fine by me. Um, like I said, we saw it. We saw it coming. This is fine. This is advancing the feud that um, needs to be advanced. The only thing that they need now is for Wyatt to say something new. Um, I don't know if they're going to do it or not, but that's that's the next step here. Do you see any kind of a gimmick match for Jericho and Wyatt at SummerSlam, or do you think that they're just going to have another straight of singles match? I think they should have a gimmick match. I think that's the, the you know the logical progression. I hope that they do. I think that's what's needed just to make things different from last time. I don't know what gimmick they would do. Well, then the thing that follows into that would be is do you worry that that might make the SummerSlam card a little bit too gimmick match heavy? I mean, you have Rusev and Swagger probably doing a flag match. I mean, it, that seems to be all indications as to where that's going. Uh, everything I'm hearing, I've heard from a couple, of, I've seen on a couple of different sheets is that they want to do a gimmick match with Paige and AJ as well, and I would assume that that might even end up being a submissions match because of the fact that both of them have the submission finisher and the PTO and the Black Widow. Um, you got to think that Ambrose and Rollins will have some kind of stipulation behind it as well, and that reminds me. I didn't touch on it before, but now I feel the need to. So, Cena wrestles Cesaro, and you know where I'm going with this, because I messaged you this during the show, and you told me to be mm-hmm. quiet because I'm pointing out logical flaws. <laughs> so, Cena wrestles Cesaro earlier in the show, and tonight for Raw, Ambrose happens to be away doing promotional work. And there was no attempted cash-in. Why? Granted, Cena won his match, so he's less likely to be susceptible to a cash-in, but still. Yeah, well, no, I mean, it didn't... It, well, obviously, like I told you in the you know, in the chat, it didn't make... It, it's too logical. But also, I guess it just didn't make sense in the in terms of storyline progression. It, um, you know, it didn't really add much. Or, you know, and Cena wasn't hurt. He wasn't at a point where he was, you know, unconscious or anything. So it could still be explained. But yeah, it was it was it was a funny little moment that I <laughs> I had that moment while I was when Cole mentioned that Ambrose was away doing promotional work. But anyways getting back into the Jericho Wyatt situation as I was saying there and mentioning with the gimmick matches that are rumored to already be on the SummerSlam card. Can you think of any kind of a gimmick match that would fit for Jericho Wyatt? Because we've already proven that no matter the gimmick, the Wyatt family probably will end up getting involved in some way, shape, form, or fashion. Yeah, I'm not sure. I'm not sure. I know Jericho could do pretty much anything. I don't want to see a cage match mainly because we already saw one with Tina. And even though it'd be more entertaining, it just seems like more of the same, especially considering a lot of people are already saying that with the promos. So I'm not sure which gimmick would work. But I'm hoping for, for something a little bit more intense than what we um, what we got previously. If they're if they're adamant about doing a, a gimmick match here, do you have any kind of any kind of belief that maybe a lumberjack match might be the way to go? And I remember bringing this point up to you before, in the fact that you can have you can have Rowan and Harper at ringside, but at the same time you have guys that can logically write out Harper and Rowan's interference factor as well. I don't know if you know this, but I don't like lumberjack matches at all. 
Um, I find them pointless, tedious, unnecessary for stars to be out there that don't have any you know, bearing on the match that's at hand. Um, it's a rarity that they do. It's a rarity that the Lumberjacks are actually a part of the storyline itself, and I don't want to see anyone else involved that isn't already involved. It is sad that Jericho has no friends, that nobody cares that he's being attacked on the uh, But, yeah, I, don't, I have no interest yeah, well, in seeing a Lumberjack match. Apparently, with the use of moving on from the Watt family here, and, again, don't – why? Why Why are Eric and Luke not ta- – whatever. Anyway, with the use of apparently moving on from the Wyatt family and going towards Rybaxel, the new nation, and, as you mentioned, possibly Gold Dustin Cody, what role – who logically would have any kind of a tie-in with Jericho to – or who has any kind of a tie-in with the Wyatt family to be on Jericho's side of this whole situation? And that's the question we'd have to ask ourselves going forward between those two as well yeah. as to why Jericho has no backup. I think it's about that time, Tony. Yep. It's time for the final reaction. All right. Uh, real quick, before we get into the final reaction, I do want to say here, I was a little bit surprised. Not as strong of a turnout on Yes This Week as we've had in previous weeks. Here. Now, do you think that has maybe more to do with show quality, or do you think it has more to do with just there wasn't as much to talk about? So let's go ahead and do our grades here, and we'll kind of tie that into it, too. Okay. <clears throat> you want me to go first? Uh, you usually do. All right. Yeah, I didn't. I didn't enjoy tonight as I us- as much as I usually do. Um, we got a limited amount of matches. More than half of them were short. That didn't mean anything. Um, a lot of storyline progression, but arguably a lot of the storylines were already in place. Which, um, by the way, if I can do a little bit quick of a quick commercial, this coming weekend's Wrestling Five and One is going to be talking about why Battleground wasn't needed. Um, and I'll get more into that in the column. But tonight's Raw was a perfect example of why it wasn't needed. Uh, all the storylines that are in place have already been in place, as well as as much as they've advanced tonight. There just was too much crap. Um, tonight's show for me, it was an easy C-C area. I didn't enjoy a lot of it. I thought a lot of it was filler. I thought a lot of it was just, I don't know. Um, nothing, nothing, nothing interesting with the exception of AJ wearing white. That was awesome. Um, a few good matches. Cena and Cesaro was good. I think Jericho and Rollins was good. Everything else was average or well below average. So I just didn't, I didn't feel it this week. And I think that, um, that's a test in relation to the page. Yeah. I'm sorry, I didn't catch that last bit. Go ahead. I was just saying I think a lot of people would agree, considering the yes page was kind of a, uh, you know, low low hits. Yeah, uh, I'm going to say uh, C-plus here, and I just sent you a message, though, that said I said the same thing going into the Battleground show, and I'll elaborate on that right now, and the fact that we're going to see a lot of rematches or a lot of basically kind of rehashings of the same things that happened at Battleground, so I can understand how that show wasn't necessary there. The only match at Battleground that happened that really stood out in terms of any as any kind of significance Realistically speaking, the first and the last matches were the only two matches at Battleground that really had any kind of long-term effect there, with apparently the Usos finally finishing off the Wyatt family, as well as the four-way that established Roman Reigns and Randy Orton as a potential as a potential match going for it, and as well as giving Cena, not that he needed it, but giving Cena another big win going towards his match with uh, going towards his match with Brock Lesnar at SummerSlam. 
As far as Raw tonight's go, I say C-plus. And the reason being is that Jericho Rollins was excellent. Cena and Cesaro, in addition to the mic work I saw between both of them going into the match, was very good as well. But other than that, nothing really stood out and stuck with you. And that's kind of been a problem going going back and forth as we've hit this road to as we've hit this road to SummerSlam, excuse me. Is that there are things that they're doing really well, but then there's the undercard booking that nobody cares about. The fans care about Cody and Goldust, so let's just have them in a two minute backstage segment and never appear in front of the live crowd. Let's let them smoke as much pot as they want to, but never have them wrestle. Because technically if you don't wrestle you can't get drug tested, right? Anyways. It's, and then you look at another situation here, like you have Dolph in the miss here. The match, the six-man tag match itself was fine, but going forward here with Dolph picking up the win over Ryback and Miz avoiding Miz avoiding Ziggler during the match, that works as well in terms of progression towards the match. But we all see Dolph and Miz coming at SummerSlam here. Why not have them actually interact with each other in a more traditional setting rather than having to stretch it out into a six-man setting? Uh, Diego and Fandango, the only reason that was there was to have Fandango continue his losing streak at the hands of Summer, Summer Ray and Layla. Again, I still approve of Layla's outfit tonight, so I'll give that one a pass. I don't even feel the need to get into the Damian Sandow situation again. It makes my head hurt. So overall, I give tonight's Raw. And then the fact that they ended, of all things, with the Stephanie and Bree situation there. I don't think that was show closing material. No. I think that they would have ended the show on a lot stronger note had they ended the show with Jericho and Seth Rollins with the Bray Wyatt interference rather than ending with Stephanie and Bray. So that's right, yeah, no, basically my take they, on it. And that's why Raw's a C-plus tonight. There's a comment in the Raw report, report while I was writing that said, who would have guessed at the start of tonight's show that it would have ended with the fans chanting Jamie Noble? Um, that's about as well as that segment went over at the end, guys. So... Well, that's good. Jamie Noble, boy! He's awesome. Yeah. I still care about that little redneck rug rat. And I can call him a rug rat because I'm almost a good foot taller than he is, which is sad. Nice. <laughs> Anyways, anything else you want to touch on here before we get out of here? That's it. <laughs> He's Tony Acero from 401 Mania. I'm Harry Broadhurst of Black Diamond Wrestling and Real Action Pro Wrestling. This has been the Raw Reaction on Powerhouse Radio through ProWrestlingPowerhouse.com. We want to thank you for listening, and we'll catch you guys next Monday night. Good night, everybody. You're not going to say your good night, bitches, line? Bitches.
raw reaction, a presentation of Powerhouse Radio, www.prowrestlingpowerhouse.com. Join us tomorrow night for the great DeMarco Show on Powerhouse Radio. <laughs>